0: With the innate power in a sorcerer's bloodline combined with a warlock's bargain powers, sorlocks, or sorcerer warlocks, are overflowing with magic. Sorlocks are one of the classic power builds in Dungeons and Dragons 5e, and they're still likely the most popular character build for their sheer damage output and obscene Nova damage potential. Stay tuned for today's episode if you wanna make your DM scratch their head by building a sorlock. Both the Sorcerer and the Warlock are spellcasting classes that utilize Charisma as a spell ability, meaning you won't lose any effectiveness to ability spread. And with a little work, you can also gain access to Cleric spells and even medium armor and shields, giving you literally the best of all casting worlds. Many dedicated spellcasting damage dealers are basically just a glass cannon, but with the Sorlock, you can have a respectable 19-20 AC, even at early levels. When put together properly, a sorlock arguably deals the most consistent damage possible in 5e, all the while having a beefy AC and access to practically all the powerful spells you could care to have. You're even still charisma based, so if you wanna be the face of the party, you absolutely still can as a sorlock. So what are the downsides of this? Well, like with any multi-class, you're sacrificing progress on one class for features of the other, and won't likely see the very final features of your class like capstones or ninth level spells. A single class has unhindered spell progression, while a multi-class is always going to be a couple steps behind. This will not matter at later levels, but there will be an awkward stage where you aren't as strong as a full sorcerer or a full warlock. But quite frankly, the biggest downside for Sorlocks is the stigma of the min-max build. Sorlocks are the 5e poster child of overpowered builds and are typically the go-to option for players looking to make the strongest character possible. There's a decent chance that your DM will simply not allow this type of power build if they're not adventurous and cowards. It also uses feats and multiclassing, which are technically optional rules or a house rule, so just be sure that it's all right that you build a sorlock before setting out to do so. Every multiclass build tends to have a level where they start to kick in, and for sorlocks, this is the 5th level, or more precisely, 2 levels of warlock and 3 levels of sorcerer. This gets us our key access to Eldritch Blast, the agonizing blast invocation, and the sorcerer's metamagic quicken spell. Now, obviously, none of this is to say that they are unplayable before 5th level, but that's when they start functioning not as just a Sorcerer or a Warlock, but as a new Sorlock strategy. So, do you take Sorcerer or Warlock first? Since both Sorcerer and Warlock don't really give up much in the way of proficiencies when multiclassing, and we're going to be getting better armor proficiencies from Hexblade anyway, you could easily take either class first. Once you're at a higher level, the only noticeable difference is the saving throw proficiencies. Starting as a Sorcerer gives you proficiency in Constitution saves. Starting as a Warlock gives you proficiency in Wisdom saves. Both are considered good saving throws and are common spell saves, but I tend to value Constitution here as a spellcaster since it helps with concentration checks, and therefore, I'd go with Sorcerer as my starting level personally. So what are the class features that we really care about here? While every class feature has some utility, there are a few features we're going for when putting together a Sorlock. Starting with Warlock features for Sorlocks, Eldritch Blast is definitely the one that we should bring up first. Often called the best cantrip in the game and the most effective spell at consistent damage in the game, Warlocks uniquely gain access to the spell Eldritch Blast and we're going to abuse the heck out of it by stacking up a ton of damage. Next up would be Hexblade. The warlock archetype Hexblade gives us access to medium armor and shield proficiency, which gives us an excellent chance at blocking incoming damage. We also gain access to the shield spell, and as long as we maintain a decent dexterity, a good Sorlock will manage a better AC than most paladins. And on top of all of that, we get Hexblade's Curse, which we can use on the same turn as a blast to stack even more damage and some critical hit threats on the nastiest targets. Moving on to Agonizing Blast, at our second warlock level, we get our choice of two invocations, one of which should always be Agonizing Blast. This invocation lets you add your charisma modifier to the damage of every Eldritch Blast, and we plan on firing a lot of blasts over the game. Moving on to Hex, a first level warlock spell, and probably the first spell you should take, Hex functions a lot like the Ranger's Hunter's Mark which is to say that as a bonus action, you can pick out a target and ruin their day with extra damage stacked on all of your attacks. It'll function a lot like your Hexblade's curse, but at the cost of a spell slot and concentration versus the short rest recharging archetype ability. As mentioned, you gain two invocations at second level and Devil's Sight should definitely be your second choice. It basically grants super dark vision with the very important added benefit of seeing through magical darkness, which is quite hard to come by otherwise. This bit is technically optional, but we'll get into why super dark vision is important in just a second. If you don't end up going the shadow route, consider instead taking Repelling Blast as Repelling Blast will add a nifty shove to your blasts every turn. Now moving on to sorcerer features for your Sorlocks, starting with spellcasting. Sorcerers are full-step spellcasters, and they use Charisma as their spellcasting ability. You'll also be getting access to both the Sorcerer spell list and the Warlock spell list, and with Pack Magic combined with your spellcasting class feature, you'll be able to fire off those Warlock spells using your plentiful additional spell slots rather than the measly 2 to 3 that the Warlock is stuck with. And then we have Quicken Spell. At third level, you gain the Sorcerer class feature Metamagic, and you get Metamagic options including Quicken Spell, which will allow you to really go off with Nova damage. Quicken spell allows you to spend two sorcery points to cast a spell as a bonus action rather than an action. For sorlocks, this essentially lets you cast Eldritch Blast twice in the same turn and considering by fifth level, you're already firing two beams, now we're up to four. This will also work with spells like Scorching Ray, but we'll be focusing on our Eldritch Blasts. Twin spell is definitely something that I wouldn't say is mandatory, but at third level, you get to pick two metamagic options. And I find this one to be the best of the bunch for sorlocks. Twin lets you add an additional target for spells that only have one, which for many spells is just like getting an extra spell. This won't help our Eldritch Blast plan directly, but it can apply to things like the Hex spell, and a Twin Inflict Wounds is downright nasty. Distance spell is also arguably a better option for Eldritch Blast when you're going for a sniper strategy. We have a couple different versions of Sorlocks, but they all want the same ability scores. Charisma and Dexterity are all you'll really need when playing a sorlock, with some consideration to constitution for hit points and concentration checks. Beyond them, Strength, Intelligence, and Wisdom can all be dump stats. Ideally, you'll be wanting to get both Charisma and Dexterity as high as possible, and you'll probably want to spend all of your ability score increases on them, until they're both at least 18. Preferably 20, though. There are a couple feats that may tempt you into accepting lower scores here, but I'd honestly just max out Charisma as fast as possible. Just like with the Sorcerer and a lot of Warlocks, Sorlocks need first Charisma, then either Dexterity or Constitution, but preferably Dexterity. The following races gain plus two bonus in Charisma and a little bit extra in Dexterity or Constitution, making them ideal choices for a Sorcedent character. My personal favorite for this type of build being the Azimar. The base Azimar gains plus two to Charisma and the Scourge variant gains plus one to Constitution. I recommend Scourge Azimar for quite a few classes, but they fit especially well here. Their Radiant Consumption ability is yet another source of damage you can stack on top of your Eldritch Blast. Not to mention how thematically well they fit with the Divine Soul Bloodline build. Stack that with resistance to Necrotic and Radiant damage and you've got a real winner here. For those of you that want to be the face of the party, the changeling might be the best option. Changelings gain plus two to charisma and plus one to any other stat of their choice, which you can make either dexterity or constitution. Changelings are technically setting lock to Eberron, so it may take some convincing for your DM to allow them elsewhere. One of the only things a sorlock isn't typically good at, though, is scouting, and this can give you an opportunity to fill that last role, Or, like I said, the face. And then with the half-elves, you gain plus 2 to Charisma and plus 1 to two other ability scores of your choice, which you can make both dex and constitution. Half-elves are always one of the best race options from a pure ability score perspective, but you're not really getting any bells or whistles besides that. Take half-elf if you're trying to max those stats as soon as possible, but that's basically it. And then we have satyrs who gain plus 2 to Charisma and plus 1 to Dexterity. Technically setting locked as a playable race to the world of Theros, but Satyrs are still prevalent in the Forgotten Realms, and a lot of DMs will allow them elsewhere. Satyrs get a flat magic resistance, which is insane, along with a bit of an edge on movement speed and some fun bard-like ribbon features. And then we have the Tiefling. Dispatcher, Glaza, and Levistus variants of Tiefling each gain plus two to Charisma and plus one in either Dexterity or Constitution. Every sort of Tiefling fits well for Sorlocks. You get ideal stats, a block of useful racial features, and resistance to a common damage type. I'd argue that the Sorlock build doesn't need any specific feats to function properly, but there are a couple that do work exceptionally well with it and push your Eldritch Blasting prowess. These two feats are Warcaster and Elvish Accuracy. Warcaster does a few things that'll help you as a spellcaster in combat. It gives you an advantage on concentration checks made to maintain your spells. You can perform semantic components of your spells while your hands are full. You get to cast spells as an opportunity attack, and that first feature is a massive boon to our build if we're going with spells like Hex for extra damage. Your machine gun of Eldritch Blast doesn't need concentration, but whatever else you decide to cast alongside it likely will. The semantic component feature isn't terribly important to us and the final feature really only matters if we're getting into the thick of combat, but man is it useful if you find yourself in that position. You'll be able to Eldritch Blast as a reaction if something tries to get past you and we're all about putting more Eldritch Blasts range. Now for Elvish accuracy, first off, it's a racial feat only available to Elves or Half Elves. Thankfully Half Elves are one of the best Sorlock options anyway so that won't hurt many people. What it actually does is sneakily powerful though. You add one to your dexterity or intelligence or wisdom or charisma. And whenever you make an attack roll using dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma and have advantage, you get to reroll one of those attack dice. This feat is weird, but very good for our build. It strangely offers a pick of four scores and we should be taking either dexterity or charisma. The reroll ability is also weird, but it basically works out to be a better advantage. You roll two dice for an attack, and then you get to re-roll the lowest one automatically. This super advantage ability works amazingly well if we can guarantee advantage on all of our attacks, which we'll be doing if we go with the Shadow sorlock build. More on that in a second. When you multiclass two different spellcasting classes that both have the spellcasting feature, things get a little strange. But Warlocks aren't exactly spellcasters in the way that other classes are, and they actually multiclass pretty smoothly. To start with, your spells known stay completely separate. So if you have two levels of Sorcerer and four levels of Warlock, you'll know the same number of Sorcerer's spells as a second level Sorcerer, and the same number of Warlock spells as a fourth level Warlock. For other classes, you must go through a whole calculation for figuring out spells. For Warlock multiclasses, it's very simple. You have your special warlock slots, and they function exactly as if they were just a warlock. You have your sorcerer spells, or whatever other spellcasting classes, and they keep functioning exactly like you were just a sorcerer. The trick here is that you're allowed to cast your warlock spells using your sorcerer spell slots, and you can cast sorcerer spells using your special warlock spell slots. Firing off just one more Scorching Ray doesn't hurt as much when you're regaining a couple slots on short rests now. This is literally the best of both worlds since we'll be getting recharging short rest spell slots from warlocks on top of our sorcerer slots. As with any multi-class, there's an optimal path for advancing your character and ultimately a correct ratio of spells from each class. I've seen a lot of different versions, but they boil down to either prioritizing getting online as soon as possible or prioritizing optimal ASI progression. I don't value the feats as highly as I value getting our Eldritch Blast Machine Gun up and running faster, and I consider the following paths to be optimal. The only Warlock abilities we really need we get in the first two levels, and if you're willing to ignore a packed boon, then the rest of your progression can be sorcerer levels just all the way up. The pros of this progression being the highest level spell progression and best access to metamagic and spell slots. The cons are no Pact Boon and two levels wasted for ASI progression. The magic weapon from the Pact of the Blade isn't much use to us, but both Pact of the Tome and Pact of the Chain are tempting. And if you are so tempted, go with the next build. Really all we're going for with this version is picking up the Pact Boons while also making sure not to waste levels when it comes to ASI progression. We do still want to be online at fifth level though, so we have to do a little back and forth when it comes to passing back and forth from levels in warlock to sorcerer levels. The pros of this being no ASI lost, no packed boons lost, and second level warlock spells. The cons being sorcerer spells come later. The packed boons aren't essential, but it hurts leaving them behind, and once you get three levels in a class, it messes with your feat slash ASI progression not to pick up that fourth level. While there are technically other options for the 5e Warlock, nothing does more for the build than Hexblade. Hexblade is really a linchpin of this build. Right off the bat, a Hexblade Warlock gains medium armor proficiency and shield proficiency, and you get the excellent Hexblade's Curse feature. For the low price of a bonus action, Hexblade Curse targets an enemy and gives you a bonus to damage rolls against them equal to your proficiency bonus, and a higher critical hit chance. And since you'll be firing an average of four bolts a turn, Hexblade Curse adds a whole lot of opportunities for critical hits. To top it all off, you even get hit points back when you kill the target. Take the Hexblade and I promise you will not regret it. Starting with the Divine Soul Sorcerer, this archetype doesn't affect the whole machine gun strategy directly. But it does give you access to the entire cleric spell list. That's all of the game's best healing spells and all those juicy cleric buff spells right at your sorcerer's spell slot, swollen fingertips added to your spell choices. One of your biggest weaknesses as a Sorlock is a relatively low hit point total, and having cure wounds and other cleric spells at the ready can be a massive blessing, as is the spell Bless, weirdly enough. Take this archetype if you're worried about survivability or if your party is missing a healer. And then there's the favorite, Shadow Magic. This is sort of the classic play, but it's still one of the most effective tactics in the game. This archetype gives you very easy access to the darkness spell and lets you cast it with sorcery points. It also grants you the ability to see through your own magical darkness. This means you can now stand in the middle of your area of darkness, fire out of its targets that can't see you with advantage, and any retaliatory attacks won't be able to see you, so at disadvantage. This gets even better if you take the Devil's Sight invocation, as it lets you see through any darkness, just not your own. It gets even better if you take the Elven Accuracy feat since you'll be instead making attacks at what is essentially super advantage during all of this. It's a nasty combination that will serve you well all the way through every tier of play so long as you cast Darkness as your first spell each combat. While I can't say I have ever run a Sorlock myself, I have definitely DMs for a few and they're everything that the legends say. Anyone that can deal an average 102 damage a turn DMs, it's your real test. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. And if you've ever built a Sorlock in the past, I would love to read about them down in the comments. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Dice, and until next time, farewell.